I have been looking forward to talking with Chadwick Moore all week, and you will uh, treasure this interview, I am sure. He is the author of the upcoming book, The Biography on Tucker Carlson, simply called Tucker, out in July. And Chadwick, it's really a pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I've certainly enjoyed your many appearances with Tucker and elsewhere, uh, of course, on the Fox News Network. And uh, you were you were on his last episode. Did you have any inkling? And based on your interactions with Tucker, did you have did you think he had any inkling that something was coming down on that following Monday? No, absolutely not. In fact, no one knew, uh, including Tucker. Uh, and uh, so he told me I, I interviewed him twice since the show was taken off the air. And uh, what happened was that Monday morning, April 24th, he woke up early. He, he wrote his monologue, which was unusual for him. He's usually uh, still writing almost like right before he goes live, but he finished it and he sent it off to his producers. And uh, he got a call shortly after that at 11 in the morning from Fox News president Suzanne Scott. And she simply said, we're taking your show off the air. Thank you very much. Goodbye. No explanation. At the same time, uh, two other executives were calling his uh, producer, Justin Wells, and telling him the same thing. So it was uh, coordinated to tell both of them. Tucker was in Florida at the time, and Justin was in New York. And um, so he had no idea. He was left to speculate for a long time. Uh, and, you know, when I talked to him the first time afterwards, he was, like, confused and shocked, but, but still upbeat. And uh, he was, you know, what he said to me was, he doesn't feel bad because he knows he didn't do anything wrong. You know, if he'd done something wrong, if he'd hurt someone, if he lied about something, then he might feel bad about it. But how could he? Because he he was had didn't done, do anything. It was completely out of his control. I, I, I this is a fascinating epic story in American journalism. I mean, I recall Chadwick, and we're talking with Chadwick Moore, if you're just joining us, author, journalist, contributing editor at The Spectator, and author of the upcoming book, uh, Tucker. You can pre-order that now. And that in the publishing world, by the way, folks, that's a very important component of the success of getting the word out. So I would encourage you to, uh, to consider pre-ordering that and certainly positively try to do that. Um, you know, it, it, I remember reading, I think it was a Washington Compost story, or I forget where, but maybe the New York Times, but some, you know, legacy media article about how Tucker is considered a dangerous guy in Washington because he's not afraid to call people out. He's got the connections and and he's got the voice and people in powerful places where power is being abused really fear Tucker Carlson. True or false? Oh, absolutely. Both in the Democrat and I think more especially the Republican Party, because he was so singular in calling out what he saw as bad behavior or uh, insincerity within Republicans. And I, I feel like, you know, everyone is sort of everyone's convinced that Tucker's going to uh, go on and he's already announced the plans to go on. Um, but I think that one of the reasons why his show being pulled off the air was um, almost felt like a death and why it was so sad for many people is that our leaders really listen to cable news. They really pay attention to what happens on cable news. A lot of Americans don't, and they don't care. They listen to radio or they get their news on the Internet. But, uh, you know, he really had their ear when he was on Fox. And now that he's gone from mainstream media, uh, it, it, that voice, that, that counter-narrative to so many of the biggest issues of the day is no longer in the face of Washington. You know, of course, he'll be out there. He'll be on Twitter. He'll be wherever he ends up next. But it sort of feels like it has less resonance with people in Washington there. And I think that's what is, is most upsetting for a lot of people with um, his show being gone. 
Yeah, right. I I think I think describing it as a death or certainly a, an assault on authenticity. Although I have to tell you, in full disclosure, as a doc, um, you know, I I think Tucker may have sometimes gotten it a little bit over uh, over exuberant about the vaccine didn't work masks don't work i think there's a little more nuance but i realize also the reality of communications and media and how you only have so much time and you have to, to communicate in sometimes hyperbolic ways and but 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 tucker i i think what was what is and remains and what we hope to look forward to about tucker is that uh he calls him as he sees him uh, he doesn't mind if other call him, people call him as he sees him. He invited the opposing side on his on his program all the time, and he challenged him. Um, and like you say, he challenged the establishment, no matter what they were. Is is the Tucker we saw in the outtakes? And I know I want to talk about the bombshell um, reporting about a raid on a journalist's uh, uh, home uh, just yesterday that was on your Twitter Twitter feed at Chadwick Moore. Um, is the Tucker that we saw in some of those outtakes, which I found refreshing and very authentic, I think it actually helped improve his stock price. Is that the same Tucker you knew in the hours and hours of interviews that you had with him off camera? Yeah, I would say more or less. I mean, those videos really, uh, they didn't have the desired effect, I think, of damaging him. I think it just further endeared him to so many people. And um, when I saw those videos, uh, and I think that they were, I, I, you know, I wish... It, so I, I saw a lot of his behavior during outtakes because I would sit and watch his show as it was going live. And he would be so funny during commercial breaks. And he usually has like some, some local people just sit in and watch the show. Uh, it's a tiny little studio wherever he is. But he'd invite, you know, just some people from town and they'd come. And during the breaks, he'd be interacting with them and cutting up. And it was, it was just always so funny and so colorful. Uh, and so, you know, off camera, he is, um, he's, he's just a really hilarious, really super engaging guy. Uh, he has a real zest for life. You know, he has, his interests are, are varied and rich. You know, he's not one of those people that can only talk about politics. And in fact, when it was just he and I hanging out, we rarely talked about politics. We talked about, you know, more spiritual things. Uh, he loves nature. We talked about, you know, things like that a lot. Uh, so in a way, yeah, I think those videos are, are authentic, uh, authentic to um, just the kind of like guy he is where he's cutting up. Um, I don't really understand how they were supposed to damage him. I didn't. I don't recall seeing anything that seemed bad. I just saw the guy having some fun. I thought it was hilarious. I don't know if you ever saw the little clip. I, I don't know where I saw it, whether it was on, on a Twitter feed somewhere, his Twitter. If you ever saw the encounter he had with someone that was going to play gotcha, he was he was fly fishing in Central Park. If I think I've got the story right. And and someone comes up to him and, of course, they want to they want to play gotcha. They want to, you know, verbally assault him. And I found it so in one way um, uh, innocently disarming. But I know what he was doing. He was so friendly. Hey, what do you want to talk about? Oh, yeah, I'm just here fishing, you know. And you know that he knew what was going on on the other side. But he was stabbing <laughs> him in the heart. And while smiling and talking about fly fishing, it was one of the most brilliant, disarming, but at the same time, disemboweling thing that I've ever seen in my life. He's a, he's a brilliant guy, isn't he? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that video is also him to a T, and and so so well conducted. Of course, when you're him and you have so many people who think he's the most evil human being who ever lived, <laughs> he's become a pro at disarming people. And also, you know, it's it's interesting that his so, so across his three shows on Fox, he had two shows on Fox Nation and then the nightly show. He had a, a staff of about twenty five people, and uh, most of them were there for the entire 
almost seven-year run of his program, which says a lot about uh, a, a boss. You know, if, yeah. if, if they're not cycling out of employees a lot and people stick around, and there's a lot of loyalty right. amongst the team, uh, no, no backstabbing. There wasn't, you know, very few people would come and go. So, you know, even people who weren't on the show at Fox would just sort of adored him as a, as a person. Tell us about the book, its genesis, and what it is that uh, people can expect to read if they, if they pre-order and then get Tucker, which releases July 18th. Sure, yeah. Uh, you can go to TuckerTheBook.com to uh, learn more about it and to find out where you can buy it. It's at Amazon, all the book places, or you can buy it directly from the publisher if you don't want to give money to Amazon. But it came about, you know, uh, uh, early last year, a publisher, All Seasons, called me up. Uh, there's an editor there who I'd worked with before and had a good relationship with, and they said, we want to do a book about Tucker Carlson. We think that he's the most important and influential voice in American politics, and, and I agreed he deserved a book, and that would be great, and they said, we want you to write it. And I was very shocked and surprised and honored by that, and I, I said, well, let me ask Tucker and see what he thinks, and uh, had called him up, and that was the first time I'd spoken to him on the phone, and uh, even in that first conversation, he had me just howling with laughter, and just he was just on some tangent about I don't even know what. And, uh, and then he said, uh, he said, you know, I don't really read anything about myself. I don't know. And I said, yeah, that, you know. And then the more we talked, he, he said, you know, I really like your work. And yeah, let's do it. Why not? So the, it's a, it's, I'm an independent biographer. It's not an authorized biography, which means I've had total editorial control. Tucker's not seen a word of the book, nor has he asked to. He didn't see the cover before it was released. And uh, he just sort of, anything, anything I needed from him. If I said, hey, can I come down this weekend and hang out? Sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he invited me to stay in his home and he was just completely open. Uh, and that was really wonderful. And, you know, as a, as a writer, he's sort of a dream subject because he can just, he's just so entertaining and he can just talk and talk and talk for hours. And you just want to get everything he says on tape because it's so, it's so funny and so interesting. <laughs> so the book is a lot of, um, it's his life, you know, it's not all about what just, the book is basically finished when this news broke and it's been updated now to include the aftermath and what happened. But um, it's it's his life. It's where he came from and and what motivates him and just who is this guy. And I guess, uh, you know, one of the things that I think about with figures that are polarizing like Tucker and um, and, and in our current environment where people – uh, both verbally and, and sadly, sometimes physically, just feel as though if they disagree with someone, they can attack them. Um, I, I worry about people like Tucker. I worry about people on the left in the same way as a human being. I, I worry about their family. I mean, yes, you worry about them. They're probably very situationally aware and have you know taken some things. I worry about the family. Did he share with you whether he has anxiety over that or is concerned? Or is that maybe part of the reason why I, I, I believe he, he's got an entire production studio and everything in Maine where most of his broadcasts are emanate from now, right? Uh, correct. Yeah. So half the year he's in Maine, uh, the other half in Florida. And uh, it's, so they've, they've really um, constructed a world where they don't listen to any noise. Uh, they don't have televisions in their house, and neither of their houses. Uh, his wife, Susie, who's a lovely woman, has never seen the show. However, she, she reads his monologues every day, and she, she, knows, you know, she knows what goes on, but she's like, we just don't watch TV, we don't care. They, they drown out not only the negative attention, but also they don't, they, also the, 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 the positive in a lot of ways. They don't uh, want to get a big head. You know, Tucker's very cognizant of not becoming a jerk because of who he is and his position. And he, he makes a strong effort for that. I think that, that probably the hardest thing in Tucker's life is his children. And they're a very close family. Uh, they love their parents, of course, and, and, and Tucker and Susie love their kids. But it's really difficult for his kids having a father being who Tucker is. Not only uh, negative attention they might get, but also 
you know, wondering if people are only their friends because of who their dad is once they find out. I think that's probably the thing he struggles with the most in his life. Yeah, yeah. Talking with Chadwick Moore, author of the upcoming biography, Tucker. You can uh, learn more at TuckerTheBook.com. So let me ask you that question about children who, of course, are biased toward their dad. I'm talking with Chadwick Moore, who I, I frankly, I read a couple of your things, but I wasn't as aware of you, Chadwick, as I became when I enjoyed the many, many interviews you had with Tucker. As a journalist, did you find it tough to find, if you found and wrote about, any gaps, any deficiencies, any critiques of Tucker Carlson, the man, um, and separating what you describe as a pretty affable relationship with him and maybe, you know, as a biographer and as a journalist, uh, calling balls and strikes? Well, I think one of the biggest uh, critiques that a lot of people had and that, and that I write about in the book is over COVID. He was one of the people who, uh, especially for people who are very, were very strongly against um, the lockdowns and what happened is he raised the alarm about COVID before really anyone else in cable. At the time when COVID was making its way into the news, uh, most of the media was still obsessed with um, impeachment trials and Russia investigations. And he really shined a light on COVID. He went to Mar-a-Lago secretly. Uh, it was later leaked that he was there to have a meeting with Donald Trump to say, you need to be paying attention to this. This is going to be really bad. Uh, and then he, on March 7th, 2020, on his show, issued a, a very dire warning about everything that could go wrong. Uh, he has some sort of regret about being misinformed about how deadly COVID was going to be. Um, a lot of people, you know, especially uh, um, some people I spoke to, you know, really wanted to take him to task, believing these people were very against lockdowns um, for thinking that he, you know, basically convinced Trump to shut down the country when it didn't have to be. And then, uh, you know, as more news came out, found out the virus wasn't perhaps as deadly as, it, as they had thought at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, a big issue for a lot of people. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, aside from that, he's, he's very motivated by, um, you know, he, he's very open to say, I don't have all the answers. I just, I'm, an, I'm a professional observer and this is my job. Um, but of course, I can get you in dangerous territory. And a lot of people do take what he says as, as the word of God. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. And I think that I think there's a humility about uh, Tucker that people don't understand and can't appreciate. He's a sophisticated guy, clearly. And uh, boy, I just can't wait to read the read the book. Uh, a final word about the bombshell thing that came out yesterday. You had a Twitter uh, post about that real quickly. Yeah, that's interesting. About so the, the FBI raided the home of a, uh, I guess he's a media consultant, not even a journalist, uh, in Tampa over these possessed um, videos that laid the leak, which is bizarre. Uh, and I don't know, I'm still learning more about it. I've been in touch with some reporters down in Tampa who are also working on it. Um, my initial thought that when they leaked those videos was it was a third-party contractor that was recording Tucker off air, because that's happened before. Mm. Um, I wasn't so convinced that Fox was actually leaking them, although Fox did disparage him later on to the New York Times. But um, uh, I've, I've been following that case. It's really strange. The man's also married to a local city councilwoman, the man whose house is raised. So we're still finding out more about what's happening there. But it's, it seems a little weird the FBI would get involved in some videos of Tucker just chatting off camera. Mm. Yeah, I put nothing beyond the FBI. Now, knowing what we now know from the Durham report and from Tucker's reporting and everyone else, I, I, right. I, I, I can, I, I would not put anything beyond that formerly prestigious institution. Chadwick Moore, thank you so much for being with me. Thanks for writing this book. We look forward to it again. It's Tucker, simply Tucker, on TuckerTheBook.com if you want to learn more. And we've been talking with its author. Uh, journalist Chadwick Moore. Thanks, uh, Chadwick. Have a memorable and meaningful Memorial Day weekend. 
Oh, thank you. Same to you.